Yes, that's right. That's right. History records an interesting footnote during the dark winter of 1864. At Petersburg, Virginia, the Confederate Army of Robert E. Lee faced the Union divisions of General Ulysses S. Grant. The war was now three and a half years old, and the glorious charge had long since given way to the muck and mud of trench warfare. Late one evening, one of Lee's generals, Major General George Pickett, received word that his wife had given birth to a beautiful baby boy. Up and down the line, the Southerners began to build huge bonfires in celebration of the event. The bonfires did not go unnoticed in the northern camps, and soon a, gen a nervous General Grant sent out a patrol to see what was going on. The scouts returned with a message that Pickett had a son, and these were celebratory fires. It so happened that Grant and Pickett had been contemporaries at West Point and knew one another well. So to honor the occasion, Grant, too, ordered the bonfires to be built. What a peculiar night it was. For miles on both sides of the line, fires burned. No shots fired, no yelling back and forth, no war fought, only light celebrating the birth of a child. But it didn't last forever. Soon the fires burned down, and once again, darkness took over. The darkness of the night and the darkness of war. The good news of Christmas is that in the middle of the darkness, there came a light. It was not just a temporary flicker. It was an eternal flame. That light was foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Get this, 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah wrote this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The light of the world was born into darkness. The Prince of Peace was born into chaos. But we must ask ourselves, if Jesus came and he's the light of the world and the Prince of Peace, why is there still so much strife in the world? You ever ask yourself that? Why is there so much strife? At Christmas time, we often read the account from the book of Luke where we find the angels and the shepherds. Do you like that, the angels and the shepherds? That's what Linus, you ever watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special? That's what Linus talks about. And in the book of Matthew, we find the wise men. But you know, John recorded the coming of Christ in a very unique, creative, yet powerful way. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe on his name. John tells us the light came into the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. Nothing has changed in that respect. Friends, Jesus is the light, but yet the darkness does not comprehend him. Opinions abound about Jesus. Some say that Jesus is a light, but not the light. Some say he's a light for some and not for others. Some reject the light altogether. They prefer darkness. 
Some called him a prophet. Some called him a teacher, a revolutionary. But we know him as the light of the world. He's our light. Now I want to talk for a minute to those who know Christ. And in a minute I want to talk to those who don't know Christ as the light. To those who know Jesus as the light, how do we get them to see the light? Friends, we must proclaim the light loud. When Jesus came to earth the first time, someone was sent ahead to proclaim, and it was John the Baptist who was Jesus' cousin. John is introduced with these words, there was a man sent from God to bear witness of the light. John was sent to the world to draw attention to the light, to point the way to the light. John made it clear that, that he had a distinct mission, an important mission, to bear witness to tell about the light. He was not sent to draw attention to himself, but to bear witness of the light. The first time, this is the first time we see witness in the gospel. It's important because it communicates what happens when the light enters the world. As if in a courtroom, evidence and witnesses come forward to verify the truth of Jesus, that he's the light. Now, if the light needed a witness, this tells me that the light wasn't readily recognized. It was John's calling to make sure the light was recognized. And like John, we are to be witnesses to proclaim the light. Before Jesus left this world, he said this. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. John was the original proclaimer of light. But friends, we have that ministry to proclaim light. What did John mean by light? After all, there are many lights in the world, aren't there? I don't know if you're aware of this, but the lights went off in this building at 840, which sent us into a scramble. We were like, what are we going to do? We were so happy when about 10 after 10, the lights came back on. There are many lights. You're holding little LED lights. Why? Because it's safer than real candles. Thank the, God, thank the Lord for lights. Just before, just before Thanksgiving, our lights went off for 12 hours. We couldn't prepare anything ahead. So we thank the Lord for, for those kind of lights. But the light we're talking about here is an inner light that illuminates a person's dark soul. Friends, there's only one light. There's only one light in the world that lights up a soul, and that light is Jesus. Some follow leaders that may look like light, but they're not. William Barclay wrote this. He said, other lights were flickers of truth. Some were faint glimpses of reality. Some were a will-o'-wisp which men followed and which led men out into the dark and left them there. Some people just muddle around in the darkness, giving up all hope of finding inner light. Some people say the light doesn't exist. In this world of confusion and uncertainty, we need to stand and proclaim Jesus is the light of the world. We can't afford to be timid or uncertain. There's too much at stake. Too many churches try to soft sell the light. I can tell you that Victor Outreach is not one of those. And neither is Church of the Cross. You see, that's not, not what John did. You see, they, they say, hey, John, is that the light of the world? He didn't say, well, that, that might be the guy. I, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of great teachers out there. You know, we Jews, we have the law and the, the Talmud. And 
I heard they have some really cool ideas down in Egypt. Have you ever seen the pyramids? They're really awesome. That's not what John said. I got you a drink water before I say this. John looked at Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? It's like, boom, that was the world's first mic drop 2,000 years before there was mics. So many people that drop mics, rappers say something cool, drop a mic. Please. You can talk fast to music and you drop a mic. Listen, how about this? Jesus is the light of the world. That's the ultimate thing to drop a mic to. We're so afraid of the world's disapproval, but they need to hear the truth. Jesus said, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world, so all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Until Jesus came into the world, we all lived in the darkness of sin. We're people without a hope in the future, but Jesus came to take away our sin and shame. He gave him to give us abundant life and eternal life. And friends, the world will look at this message and they'll mock it. And they'll make fun of it and they'll try to marginalize it. But friends, you cannot marginalize the truth that Jesus is the light. You see, whether they accept it or not, it's true. You see, I could, I could say, I could say something like, I just don't accept gravity. I just don't accept that's true. But I tell you, when I walk off the cliff, I'm still falling. Because truth is truth whether you believe it or not. Whether you grasp it or not, friends, we need to give the truth. Peter wrote, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus tells us there's a new and better way than darkness. There's a truth worth proclaiming. There is light. There's a hope. Jesus is not just a cute part of a nativity scene. That little baby grew up and gave his life on the cross and rose again. Satan thought he'd put out the light for good. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. And the light burst forth in victory. Unfortunately, many people will reject the light. From that time until our present day, people have been rejecting Jesus. Whether it's Jewish leaders or, or postmodern, post-Christian culture, many reject Jesus. They doubt his claims. People have ignored the scriptures. They rejected the one who came to save them. John makes this clear. He says the world was made through him and the world did not know him. The Greek language is precise. The first world means creation. The second world refers to those who rejected Jesus. Not only did the world reject Jesus, but even his own people rejected him. He said he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. The great irony of the gospel story is even here where the readiness should have been keen, there's only rejection. Think about this. We all know the story of the wise men, right? The wise men came to the area because they saw the light. And so they, did, they, they didn't go, first of all, to Bethlehem. Did you know that? They went to King Herod and they said, hey, king, there's a light in the sky that says there's, there's going to be a king born. So Herod calls all the wise men, all the, all the wise men of the day, all the, the Jewish wise men, and said, hey, is this true? And they said, well, sure it is, king, because it's written in scriptures, but, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
Are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the wise men came and said, there's a, a, a king to be born. And, and the Jewish wise men came and said, yes, here's the prophecy. But guess what? They all missed him anyway. They all missed him. They did not accept him. Why is that? Why is Jesus rejected then? Why is Jesus rejected now? John 3, it says, and judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the world loved darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for they fear their sins will be exposed. People reject Jesus because they're afraid to let go of their sin. They reject Jesus because it requires change. They don't want to give up control of their lives. Friends, Jesus had a message, repent and believe, and people say, I can't deal with that message. In the end, people pay a high price for rejecting Jesus. When people say, hey, I don't want to give him control of my life, I would say, well, how's it been working out for you? How's that working? Listen, you only have one thing to lose giving up control. It's your sin, your shame, your guilt. You have everything to gain, friends, by embracing Jesus as the light. If we reject him, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. I certainly don't know everybody in here. Maybe you just like, it's like, hurry up and quit talking. I came from the Toys for Tots. Maybe that's you today. And if I understand that if you really feel that way. But I want to tell you something. I'm telling you something that is truth, and you have to do something with what you hear today. You have a choice to receive the light. You may say, well, my life is such a mess. I've made so many horrible choices. I don't think Jesus would ever accept me. Can I just tell you something today? If you check your pulse and you have one, you have hope. You have hope. Because Jesus can set you free. Jesus can forgive every sin. He can free you from your guilt and your shame. See, it's more than saying, I believe in him. You must believe and accept him because many people walk around and say, I believe in Jesus with their mouths, but their actions say something completely different. You can't simply believe Jesus existed. You have to accept him into your life to give him control. If you believe in Jesus without following him, it means nothing. You have to believe and accept. Then John stresses the results. It says he gave them the right to become children of God. He gave something. He gave a gift. He second, he gave the right. It's not about, it's, it's, it's not about power, but he's saying, he's saying you, have a, you have the right to have a change of status from being a child of darkness to a children to a child of light. To become children of God. People say this all the time. We're all God's children. Uh, problem, that's not in the Bible. Right? We're all creations of him. But guess what? 
The, those who are his sons, those who are his daughters, are those who say, yes, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. Then you have the right to become a son, a daughter of the living God, a joint heir to the kingdom. You get the, all the benefits. But friends, you don't get the benefits by simply looking at the manger and saying, oh, isn't that cute? You have to receive him and become his child. John says the result is that they're reborn, not in a physical birth, but, it, but in, a, in a spiritual birth. Being born again of the spirits. And it's a gift from God. Some people say, I could never be good enough. Guess what? You're right. No one's good enough. The Bible says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, as anyone should boast. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. At Christmas, we talk a lot about gifts. We spend a lot of time shopping. We spend lots of money on our gifts, don't we? I don't know about you, but gifts have gotten more expensive. You ever you ever know that? It, when I was a kid, my dad gave me five bucks, and that was for the whole family, right? My brother was the world's cheapest cheapskate. So one year, he got five bucks. So since I'm his favorite brother, he bought me a rubber spider, and he bought the rest of the family postcards, wrapped them up, and pocketed three bucks. It's pretty smart. But now five bucks can't buy you a frappuccino, friends. Right? Gifts are expensive. I want to tell you something that the, the free gift that's offered to you is very expensive. You can't pay for it by being good. You can't pay for it by doing awesome things. It's just a gift that you can receive. See, Santa Claus says, you better be good or you won't get a gift. Right? You better be good or you won't get a gift. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, you can't be good enough for this gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it or to deserve it, but it's yours anyway if you'll just reach out and take the gift. How, what would you do? See, under your tree, there's the most awesome box. It's a huge box. It's, and you're like, what's in there? And you know it's your name is on that box. How many people are going to want, want that box on Christmas Day? Right? I don't think anybody's going to look at that box and say, yeah, I'll pass. I, I don't want to open that thing. I'm sure it's a wonderful gift, but it's not for me. Nobody here would do that. Right? Matter of fact, some of you would be shaking it when nobody's looking. Right? And you'll be picking up how heavy is that thing? What did, what did they get me? Oh, I'm feeling good, right? Friends, the gift of eternal life has to be reached out and taken and received for it to be yours. Because the gift of eternal life has your name on it. Jesus died with you in mind. He looked through, through the ages and he saw that you're going to be alive in 2018, almost 2019. And he died for you to have this gift of salvation. He came to be the light of your life, but you have to let him in to the darkness.
The only question is, will you receive the gift? Can we just bow our heads for a moment? My friends, have you received the gift of Jesus? He's offering you the greatest gift you can imagine. It's forgiveness of sins. Your past is wiped clean. Guilt and shame is gone. Not only that, but he offers you a place in his family. He invites you to be a son or a daughter, and he's offering you a place for all of eternity. The work has been done. He bought this gift. All you have to do is receive it to come out of darkness into his glorious lights. But you have to make a choice. It's safe to say I don't know very many people in here. I know a lot of people from Victory Outreach who are the light. They're full of light. But some of you, I don't know. I just want you to do one thing today. You say, Pastor, I'm, Pastor Brian, I'm in darkness. I need the light of Christ to come in. Can you just raise your hand up and down real quick? Say, man, I'm, Pastor, I'm in darkness. I need the light of Christ to come in. Amen. You can put your hands down. Do you know that all you have to do is talk to Jesus and receive that gift? Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I turn my life over to you. Lord, I just pray for every person who raised their hand. Lord, that today, today, not tomorrow, but today, they make the decision to let you in. To make the decision to follow you, to have their sins forgiven, to become part of the family of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, you can look at me. If that's you, you need to find somebody before you leave. Somebody who, who's oozing light. There's plenty of people in here oozing light. Find one of those people and say, I prayed that prayer. I prayed with Pastor Brian. I, I, want, I want to know more. Find them. Don't just walk out. Find somebody like Pastor Daryl or Sister Chella. Find somebody. And say, I want to, I want to talk more about Jesus. Now, before we're, as, we, as we're done, Christian friends, Jesus came to bring us out of our darkness into his light. Will you boldly proclaim it? Not just during Christmas, but every day. Will you be like John the Baptist and point to Jesus and say, Behold, here's the Lamb of, the God, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who here this morning says, I can do that. I can be a light. I can boldly proclaim it. If that's, if that's you, will you just stand with me right now? You say, I want, I want to be a bold proclaimer of the light of Jesus Christ. I want to embrace the ministry of John the Baptist and point to Jesus as the light. Amen. Lord, help us all to be light, not to be a flickering light or a timid light or a dim light, but help us to shine brightly so that the world can see. Lord, we may be criticized, we may be marginalized, but Lord, we will still proclaim Jesus that you are the light of the world. Give us 
places to do it. Give us people to talk to. And Lord, help us never to back down. Because you are the answer for our lives. Jesus, you're not just the reason for the season, but you are the reason for everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. Oh, come.